Welcome to the podcast of Unity Fort Worth. In it, you'll hear this week's message and meditation. If you'd like to hear and see the complete service, you can always find it at unityfortworth.org or on the Unity Fort Worth Facebook page. Unity Fort Worth focuses on positive and practical Christianity with a willingness to explore the entire world of religion and spiritual thought. Unity Fort Worth streams live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Thanks for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. The God conundrum. Who hasn't thought about talking about God is not that easy, isn't it? Have you ever had a conversation that went a bit haywire when it went down to it, right? When we really get into the nitty and gritty of things. And so I thought it would be fun, especially since we start our fall program today with um, Linda Martellowitz's book, How to Pray Without Talking to God, to kind of look at the idea or the conundrum what God is, right? So I love the word conundrum. I always loved it even before I knew what it meant. I just love the sound of it, conundrum. Let's say it together, conundrum. <laughs> Isn't it fun to say, right? So, you know, so, but looking up what it actually means, it's a confusing and difficult problem or question. And that's really what it seems like sometimes talking about God feels like. It feels confusing and it feels difficult especially if we're trying to come together, one, being respectful for everyone's own ideas and beliefs, but then two, to find a common ground. That seems almost like impossible, doesn't it? Depending where we're coming from. By the way, I have so many slides today that I might likely have to split it up, otherwise we're never getting out of here and we have potluck Sunday, so I'll warn you, I might have to just cut it at some point. So I wanna start with theology. And before you get up and run out, um, <laughs> it's not going to be that difficult, but I, you have to talk about theology when you talk about God because theology is to study of the nature of God and religious belief. You can't get around it, right? What's our theology? And I'm talking about both what is the theology that we all bring to the table as a community? And what is unity's theology? The beauty about unity is that that can be vastly different. It's not like in other communities and other religions or beliefs where you have to adapt that belief's theology, otherwise you're not welcome. In unity, you're always welcome. Even if we completely disagree on our theology, okay? We still will talk about unity's theology because ultimately we are a unity church, but even if you disagree, you're still welcome, okay? I emphasize that because I don't want you to feel discouraged in any way. I actually want you to feel encouraged and empowered walking out today to say, I am going to learn more and more intimately what it means to me, my relationship with God. And even if you are coming from an atheistic 
background, no belief in God at all, you are still welcome because I want you to embrace what it is that drives you. Because to stuff anyone, someone else's belief down their throat doesn't lead us to anything. It doesn't lead us to self-discovery. It doesn't lead us to change. It just re-emphasizes pain. And the last thing we want to do is do that. So let's start with the most common theology in the Western world, and especially here in the United States, which is theism. Okay. Theism is represented by God and the universe to be separate. Okay. That's what theism means. God is here, and our universe is over here. They're two separate things. Okay. Then there's deism who comes from the exact same perspective. God over here, universe over here, they exist independently. Okay. The difference between theism and deism is relatively simple. In theism, the belief is that God created the universe over here and is still very much involved, still watches over the universe, watches over everything, makes sure everything runs okay, and, you know, depending on what belief you're coming from, judges and, you know, does all that stuff, Old Testament stuff, and if you're more New Testament, then it's just love, 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 right? But the idea is God is still very much involved. In deism, it's slightly different. God created the universe and then left and let the universe unfold on its own without any influence. Now we have the Abrahamic traditions who are primarily following that theistic idea. Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. And by the way, I didn't order it by importance, that's just alphabetically, okay? I wanna emphasize that. None of them is more important than the other, it's just alphabetically. So the one, the three religions that we usually even refer to when we say interfaith, those three religions are very much following this theistic idea of God over here, universe over here, okay? There's other forms of theism. And by the way, today I'm only going to talk about what's called monotheism, the belief in one God. We're not going to cover all the other theologies that, you know, polytheism and so on. We're only going to talk about those that we are most familiar with, that there is only one God. Okay? So the next, so, so the theistic idea, we really know from Michelangelo here, right? Creation of Adam. That's a very traditional, like, God-bearded guy up in the sky, surrounded by angels and kind of like giving the spark of life to Adam. Very clear idea and very separate, as you can see. You can see that the fingers don't touch. It's a very deliberate imagery of the separation, that that separation cannot be crossed over, right? 
But even if we no longer, and I would imagine that many nowadays really no longer have that very traditional idea of a bearded guy, you know, some say, well, what if it's a woman? You know, or what if it's both? Um, so we have evolved probably in that sense, for sure. For example, we may even, instead of using the word God, say universe and me. Or we may say nature and me. Or we may say people and me. Okay? These are all forms how we sometimes relate and connect with God. We go out when it, the, the sky is especially, you know, when everything is dark, you know, drive for an hour away from Fort Worth and then it gets really dark and you can see the sky, that we might connect that way. Or we might go out in nature and that's how we connect with God. A lot of mystics do that, right? Or we go into a crowd, have a cool concert, and that's how we experience God. Or, which is also something that more and more people adapt, we simply stay at home and turn within, and that's how we connect with God. Okay? So there's many different ways that we may have grown and learn to grow into how that connection looks like. And that is really represented by the principle number one, unity's five principle. There's only one presence and one power. What's the rest? In our lives and in the universe, God, good, omnipotence, right? So even in unity, we have that idea, there's only one presence and one power. Pantheism. Pantheism is an other way of looking at the same one God. Instead of seeing God over here and the universe over there, the fingers never touching, those two worlds, if you will, never crossing over. In pantheism, what is said is that God and the universe are exactly the same. God is the universe, and the universe is God. Yeah, I hear some nodding, right? So for some, that makes sense. It said, okay, yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't like the idea of being separate. I, you know, I think everything is people are God, um, or connected, or somehow, or, or, or children of God, or whatever it is, but it's together, not separate. And the, the, the religions that adopt this is Hinduism, although Hinduism is so complex, remember, Hinduism is not organized like the Catholic Church where there is a pope and then there is a you know, doctrine and then they have to all follow. Hinduism is a hodgepodge of a lot of different beliefs. And so we say there's just some schools of Hinduism would follow this pantheistic idea. Some schools maybe follow closer to polytheism, which we're not gonna talk about today. You know, and then we have Taoism that follows the pantheistic idea. God, universe, exactly the same thing. Okay? And then there is panentheism. Right? So add two digits and it becomes a, a different idea. Here it says 
God is bigger than the universe. God is larger, is a bigger idea. Some would say in panentheistic speaking, God is undefinable, the universe is definable, law of physics, in many other ways, but God cannot be defined, so God must be bigger. Or, well, before the world or the universe existed, there must have been something that could be this idea, for example. But still, it's not a separation because God, the universe is included in God, right? Also, I see some nodding, so that, you know, makes sense too. You know, remember last week I talked about that sometimes the way we pray may be deeply connected to how we learned uh, very young, very early on in our lives, and it may not match anymore how we actually understand God. So it's very possible that the way we learn to pray is from this idea that God is separate from the universe, but now our understanding has evolved into, well, God is the same as the universe, or the universe is included in God. It's more inclusive. Society has moved on, too. The way we think about God in the early ages, let's say the Greeks, is very different than we did around the time of Jesus. Very different the way we thought at 300 Common Era when you know, the Catholic Church and everything started coming out very different to medieval times, very different to nowadays. Okay? Here are some representatives of that panentheistic idea, Confucianism, Jainism, and Sufism. Follows more that idea that we cannot describe God. God is beyond the universe, not just the same thing. When we think of pantheism or panentheism, then the Ohm symbol is actually a really good representation of that. Um, I didn't put Buddhism up there, who is probably a pantheistic or panentheistic idea, probably more panentheistic, that God is greater, because Siddhartha, the Buddha, never really talked about God. And some would argue that Buddhism is not a religion, but just a philosophy, because it's not about how God is defined. So that's why it's not up there, but people can argue, and you know, forgive me, this is also very simplistic theology, by the way, so anyone who has studied theology goes probably, hey, are you kidding me? You know, this is too simple. So, but just to remember that the Ohm symbol, which is used in quite a few religions and philosophies in the East, really represents that idea that we have the world as it is, that will be the universe, which are those three, three half circles together, right? Looks like a three with a, little, with a little tail. And then we have Atman, the self that Siddhartha was talking about, or Brahman, that diamond, which then will be that God that's beyond the world as we know it. And then this very clear idea of Maya that there's an illusion between that, that we have the ability to experience God but because we're kind of stuck in the world as we see it and know it, it's sometimes hard to see it because maya is kind of putting a veil over our senses. 
Okay? So that's panentheistic. So, and then, and here's a mouthful, we have process relational panentheism. And guess what, where unity is probably most closely to? Process relational panentheism. And I would say Baha'ism um, is probably also very close because Baha'ism and unity are very close in terms of their understanding. Now, process relational panentheism, there's an evolution of panentheism. Not only um, do they say, yeah, God is absolutely bigger than anything that we experience in the world, in the universe, but we have this added component. We're in constant communication between God and us. And that's symbolized with the infinity symbol. There's a constant creation. That's why we use the word co-creation in unity. There is God and us doing this together. That's a very different idea from panentheism, because in panentheism we just say God is bigger than the universe, but it's still very traditional in terms of God does his stuff on his own, and then we kind of like deal with it, whereas in process relational panentheism, biism, unity, and, and some, of the, some others, we have a constant relationship that's going on. It's a give and take. It's a back and forth. None exists with the other. The other is dependent on the other. One is dependent on the other. Both need to be in existence in order for this to work. Very interesting idea, isn't it? So that is where unity lands. This is where you often see um, in principle problem number two, that's what we are saying. We are that. The power and presence, right? There's only one power and, pre power and presence. And we are that. We are that one power and one presence in collaboration. We're not the entirety of it, but we are in collaboration, constant collaboration with that, whether we know it or not. This is why sometimes when stuff happens to us, we have no idea why it happens. And then years later, we go, ah, oh, now I get it because it all is about perception. It's very possible that sometimes when good things, bad things, you know, happen to us, we just don't know it. It comes out of nowhere. It feels like magic, or it feels like we had nothing to do it. And only through deeper study and understanding, we learn, oh, wait a minute. I did have something to do with it because I was thinking this way for years and years and years, and I started kind of seeing the world through that lens. We're all familiar with these ideas, right? And that's why this constant relational process that's happening between God and us, that's why this actually works. There's only one presence and one power, and we are that together individually powerful, but also together. Things that we sometimes cannot explain, the war in Ukraine, 
Yes, we can explain it by simplification of, yeah, the bad guys or the Russians and so on, but spiritually speaking, it's very hard to explain why any war or an earthquake is creating all this suffering. But when you look at all of us and how we suffer within us and then we take that suffering all together, seven billion people all together, and you realize that collectively every suffering that we have is somehow relational and related to how the world looks to us, then it may start to make more sense and we start to get the understanding. What if I changed? What if I changed my mind and I get a couple more people, just like in a community like ours, to change our mind together and we start thinking more peacefully and more gracefully and more loving and we are more kind? Because God is not waiting for us. God just keeps doing what God is doing. And we keep doing what we are doing, and it's going on and on and on and on. It will never stop until we change. If there's anything in our world, whether close to us or large away from us, far away from us, if there's anything that we don't like, we have the power to change it. Isn't that something? We can still relate to the universe in this way, don't we? The universe does not have to be separate. We can still go out an hour away from Fort Worth and look at the sky and wander. But maybe we look at it more relationally, understand that we are connected with it, that the universe and us are intimately connected in such a way that one cannot exist without the other. Mysticism means contemplation of union with or absorption into God. That's what mysticism means. It's contemplating the relationship we have with God and absorb ourselves into it and then when we go out into nature, we can either see nature as separate from us, or we can understand that we are very much a part of that same thing. We just have chosen to look a little bit differently than a tree or a plant. Collectively, we have chosen to come across or be human beings rather than plants or animals. Right? It's a choice, ultimately. Hard to understand for us with a limited mind, I, I grant that, but it's a choice after all. <clears throat> Going into people, we can be separate. Who hasn't been among a crowd of thousands and felt so alone? Anyone? Have you ever been among people and you felt so alone that you, all you wanted to do is cry? Or you can be among people and you feel fulfilled and nourished and welcomed. Or when you go inward, it's a choice. 
you can find God separate from us or from you and then relate with God internally in that way as if it's two separate people. Or you can go inward as we can do in meditation in just a minute and actually absorb into our very being who is God. A sparkle of it, an eddy of the ocean, but together the whole as well. It's a choice that we make. And it's okay what choice we make. It's totally okay. Unity is open to everyone. No one should ever be challenged in terms of how they relate to God because the way they relate to God, whether it's theistic, pantheistic, panentheistic, or polytheistic, or whatever, the way they relate to God is their personal choice. But we have an opportunity that all of our different ways of relating to God, we can share this with each other and learn one of the most important commandments that Jesus had to had given us to love one another and respect one another. So I'll leave it for today here. I know there was a lot. And um, in a couple of weeks, you get an you awesome break, rock and roll Sunday, right? What better way of experiencing God than through music, okay? And then I'll come back and start moving forward into the remaining principles. How can we make the God that we believe in work for us? How does that work? Okay. So let us take a moment in meditation. Allow your breath to deepen your experience. The breath is a wonderful inner clock that allows us to settle into a greatness of being. As you breathe in, make sure you breathe all the way down to your belly, allow the breath to be deep and full, and as you exhale, allow that to be long and gentle. And as you breathe, just allow to 
settle for whatever comes to mind or to heart, whatever sticks with you. And whether you agree with it or not, just allow it to be there because there's a reason for it to be there. Give it the graciousness of existence. Allow it the importance it deserves. There's no need to change. No need to dismiss just for a moment. Just a wonderful way of acknowledging what is and be content with that. And allow that God that comes to mind, that very close and personal relationship you have with God, allow that to become present right now. And if it's not God, the universe, nature, anything, whatever it is that you connect to something greater, allow that to be present. And do not be afraid. Do not be afraid because this is a safe place. A safe place where no one is going to take away your relationship with the divine. Allow that relationship to deepen. Allow it to inform you what it is and what it wants to be. Allow it to grow and expand and move into something different if it wants to be something different or stay the same if it wants to stay the same. Allow its wisdom and your wisdom to come together in perfect oneness and embrace the idea of perfection. Yes, doubts may flowing in and regrets and judgments. That's just part of life. And yet we hold on and we are present with what is underneath all that. Whether we almost touch the finger of God, get inspired by looking up in the sky, take a stroll through the woods or nature, or just be among like-minded people. We all deserve the connection we seek. We all deserve to be whole. And the way we experience that wholeness and how we share it is ours to do.
No one else, not a friend, not a partner, not a minister, not a priest can ever tell us what it is like to have that relationship. But together, all of us, we can challenge ourselves to grow and to adapt and to learn and to remain open. Because the world changes and we change. And change, while it can be difficult, sometimes is just a good thing. So let us take a deep breath into our hearts and allow that heart to open into deep gratitude, a deep sense of gratitude, allowing the thanksgiving to come forth powerfully and gracefully. First and foremost, to be grateful for ourselves, to be present, to be willing to listen and learn and go deep inside and contemplate Contemplate the union with and our absorption into the divine, just as the mystics have done for thousands of years. Grateful for the intellectuals, the Greeks, the scribes, and everyone that thinks about these things and tries to find ways of understanding. Grateful for those who feel the presence of the divine throughout and throughout in their lives and others. Grateful for a place to come to and be safe and be honored for who and what we are. I'm grateful to be present, grateful to be alive. And so it is. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. You just heard this week's message and meditation. For the live streams and more information, go to unityfortworth.org.